Well, good morning to all of you here in the uh, Modern Worship Service. Good morning to all of you there over in the Worship Center, uh, there in our contemporary service as well. It is good to be with you all. And uh, as we continue in our series on vision and values, we come to the value of multiplication, specifically multiplying disciple makers. Now, before we get to that, and I know we've teased you a little bit with this concept of multiplication. Before we do that, let me invite you, some of you who are uh, wondering what are next steps for me at Taylor's First Baptist Church. We have a wonderful opportunity tomorrow evening with our dinner with the staff. And so in both rooms, here's what I want you to consider. If you have been coming here, maybe you've been coming here just once or twice, or maybe you've been coming here for a few weeks, a few months, maybe longer, and you're saying, okay, I need to know more. I need to take that next step in connecting with this community, with this family of faith. We have a wonderful opportunity for you tomorrow, six o'clock, right here. Dinner is on us. Literally, dinner is on us. It's free. We want you to come, and with our staff, we'll be able to share with you what this church is all about. We'll be able to share with you our mission and how that plays out and ways that you can serve and other things like that. And it really is a big next step, a big connecting point for many of you who have been coming and wondering, is this the place where maybe God is, is bringing me here for a specific reason? We want you to come. So here's what you'll do, all right? Uh, as soon as the service is done, in this room, right around the corner, there in the other room, there outside uh, the worship center, there's a place where I greet guests. So we invite you to come and just say, hey, you know what? Sign me up for tomorrow. Child care is available, but we need to know today. We need to know today, or you can call the office first thing in the morning. We have a few slots left. We want to fill that place up with people who want to connect with tailors because we, we love those that God is bringing, and you can join those who have already signed up. Dinner with the staff, all right? So right after the service or first thing in the morning. But multiplication. So we, we know that if we multiply our money, if we, we put our money and invest our money and intentionally put our money away with some help from interest, that can be multiplied in a powerful way. That's what that little clip was about. But here's the question for us as a church. We understand that principle of multiplication, but what are we multiplying as a church? What are we producing? A good friend of mine who's a pastor, he's written a wonderful book on discipleship called Rediscovering Discipleship, tells the story in the book about an author who was speaking to a group of pastors. And he was speaking about this issue of multiplication, the power of investing. So he came to these pastors and he said, okay, I'm going to play a, a word association game with you. And I'm going to list a, an organization or institution or a brand name. And you tell me what it is that they're all about, what it is that they're driven to do, what it is that they are actually producing. All right. So he began. And you can play along, all right? So he, he says to these pastors, Starbucks, what do they produce? Coffee, all right? Toyota, what do they produce? Cars. Rolex, what is Rolex all about? What do they produce? Watches. The church. What is it supposed to produce? Disciples. But are we? Are we producing 
people who are becoming more and more like Jesus, who when they are becoming more like Christ, turn around and reproduce Jesus in the lives of other people? Or are we producing people who are looking like Jesus, but then the assembly line of disciples stops? What about you? What about me? These are the questions we need to ask ourselves. Are we producing people, disciples, are we making disciples as we are becoming more and more like Christ? Or is the multiplication process, is the product line stopping with us because we are comfortable or we are content or we are apathetic or we don't know how, that might be a big one, we, we, we don't understand what it looks like or we don't have the mindset and the understanding that when Jesus came to earth, he gave us a model to follow because here was his mission. Make disciples of all people groups. Our mission statement here at Taylor's, we introduced it a couple of weeks ago. To make disciples as we encounter God in worship. We've done that well this morning at 9 and at 1030 in both of these rooms. We hope that we have come and have uh, confessed and submitted our hearts to God and, and are ready to respond when we leave this expression of worship. Those disciples, when Jesus said, make disciples, they encounter God. They were changed by him. But we also want to be equipped, and we want to equip believers. So we encounter God and equip believers in order to engage the world. That is our mission. And when it comes to the mission of making disciples, so often in a church, when Jesus introduces this model, we understand what it means for us to become like Christ. We understand what it means for, for us in our, in our thinking, for us to, to want to be like him and, and want to be changed and, and, and want to move forward in our Christian walk or whatever it is, whatever label you want to put on that. But do we understand this principle of multiplication of people? That when Jesus gave us a model of making disciples, it just wasn't so that you could become like him. It was for something more because Jesus not only has you in mind and your heart in mind, but he has others in mind so that as the gospel comes to you, it goes through you. It doesn't stop. It goes through you into the lives of other people. And so here is our value here at Taylor's. We value, we aspire to produce people who are producing more disciples through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we see this unfold in the life of Jesus? He gives us a model, and then he simply does this. Three years, here's the model, and I'm gone. The Holy Spirit is coming. The Holy Spirit is God himself, but it's different than me modeling this. It's different than me teaching this because no longer am I going to teach. I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm not going to baptize anymore. I'm done. I'm going to model this for you, and then it's yours. You, you take it. I'm done. And, and so the question is, how are we doing? 
And I want to explore this principle of multiplication so that throughout the course of the next few weeks and on into the fall, I, I, I want, here, here's my objective today, it is not only to show you Jesus and multiplication through, through Mark chapter 1. Go ahead and turn there if you have a copy of the scriptures. Mark chapter 1. But, but also to prime the pump of your heart, to get it going and to get your mind creatively thinking about me investing in the lives of other people. So that as we come to the fall and as we begin to implement these values in this mission statement, we, we end preaching this end of May and then we work in the summer, we come out in the fall, you're thinking differently about what it means to actually make disciples as opposed to simply just being a part of a church. And hopefully by the end of the sermon and by the end of our value series and, and into the fall, we'll begin to understand that more. All right, multiplying disciple makers from Jesus' perspective. Mark chapter 1. Let's begin in verse 14 this morning. And this is the start of Jesus' ministry. And here is what Mark writes. Now, after John was arrested, John the Baptist was his cousin. So there were many disciples of John the Baptist. They were followers of him. He was baptizing them. Jesus comes on the scene and John steps away. Not only does John say, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, but John would have his head chopped off because he had the guts to speak out about immorality of the king. So John's arrested. He's going to die. He's going to be totally off the scene. So Jesus waits. And Jesus comes into Galilee. And he's proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news that he has he has come, and, and what is happening? He says this, the time is fulfilled. The time is now, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Now God has delivered good news, the good news that you can be forgiven of your sins, the good news that, that those who are held captive and those who are brokenhearted and those who are enslaved by themselves and by the law and by other people, they can be free. The kingdom of God is here. I am here. The good news is here. Some of you need to hear that this morning. The good news that Jesus has come and died and was resurrected for you and for your sin. He is now here. And here's what he says. Here's his message. Mark sums it up pretty neatly here. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is what Jesus is preaching. The time is now. Repent of your sin. Turn from your sin and believe in this good news that is uh, demonstrated in my life and in the cross and in the empty tomb. Some of you are not believers this morning. Some of you are not followers of Jesus. Some of you are not uh, disciples of his. Because you haven't taken that first step of turning from your sin and believing in this very good news. God loves you dearly. God sent his son to die for you. Would you consider this morning opening your heart and opening your life and, and the brokenness of, of your sin and your guilt and your shame, opening yourself up to this person who loves you so much? That's the very first step. But here's what Jesus says then, all right? Here, here's my message for all people. I'm going to preach this message. But he just doesn't go around preaching a bunch of evangelistic campaigns with thousands upon thousands of people. He doesn't hold conferences where all these people come to him. He doesn't do that. He preaches to large crowds, but not very often. Here is what he's doing. Verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he sees Simon, or Peter and Andrew, the brother of Simon, 
casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So Peter and Andrew have a fishing business. They're brothers. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Look at that. Read, 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 read with me. Follow me. Follow me, and I will make you to become, I will develop you into fishers of men. And immediately, immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. And going on a little farther, because he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat, mending the nets. They're fishermen as well. The Sea of Galilee has this has this, these fishing businesses, this fishing industry that has cropped up around the sea. It's a beautiful, beautiful scenic lake. But this is what, what many of these individuals, this is how they lived. So he comes to one set of brothers. He comes to another set of brothers. Were they connected together? I'm not exactly sure. Maybe, maybe they were. Maybe they were in some sort of cooperation together. Um, but listen to how James and John respond to Jesus the same way that Peter and Andrew did. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and they followed him. I love how Mark says that. They said, Dad, we're done. We love you. <laughs> we'll write. But this man has called us. This man has invited us to become something else, become fishers of men. We don't know exactly what that means, Dad, but we're in. <laughs> Are you in? See, here's thought number one this morning from our text is that it is Jesus who invites people to be his disciples in order to disciple other people. Jesus is the one who is inviting you, not the church, not the pastor. Here's what I want you to see with this value. This isn't a value I'm making up. This is a value where Jesus comes and he says to you, come follow me. Now, some of you, as I just said, need to do that for the very first time, and I pray you will. But for others of us who, who would say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I use that term all the time. But, but maybe I need to think about how I use that term um, those of you who have placed your faith and your trust in Christ. But Jesus just doesn't say, believe in me, and, and then you have that all buttoned up. He says, come follow me. They left their nets. They left the business. They left their lives. They, they left their families, whatever their families look like. We know Peter was married. We don't know about the other guys. But they, they leave it and they follow him. Now that word follow is an invitation to walk with him. So he's carving out a path. It's literally, he, he's walking along a path and, and you are walking beside him, behind him. You are, are walking with him. It doesn't mean that you trust him and you say, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus and you go do your own thing over here. It means I'm walking with him so that I watch him, I see him, and I become like him. That's what a disciple is. Simply becoming more and more like Jesus. Follow me. Here's the invitation. And I want you to become like me. But notice, he just didn't say, follow me, period. What does he say? Follow me and I will develop you into those individuals who will catch other men and women who will follow me. 
Now that means, yes, those who do not know Jesus. This is how we use this text primarily growing up. This, this is an evangelism text. And it is that. Next week, we'll talk about reaching the unreached. I'm already excited about next week, preaching on the value of reaching people. Those who do not know Jesus. But this week, it, Jesus didn't say, follow me, and it stops. He said, follow me so that I can develop you into someone like me who is reaching other people who will then follow me as well. So this is the invitation from Jesus so that you begin thinking this just isn't about me. This, this church thing just isn't about taking care of myself. It just isn't about me just building myself up. It's just not about my, my schedule, about my calendar, whether I can fit it in, what study fits for me. No, this is about you becoming like Jesus so that you can in turn like Peter and Andrew and James and John and disciples all the way through the ages can turn around and say, I'm like him. I am ready like him to invest and give my life to other people so they can become like him. This is Jesus's invitation. Follow me and I will make you, I will develop you into people who are fishers of men. But here's the second idea this morning. Here's the second thought from the text this morning. Jesus produces disciple makers from every walk of life. Jesus produces disciple makers from every walk of life. This is not just something for the spiritual elites. This just isn't something... For, for the preachers, it's just not something for the pastors, for the teachers, for, for, for those you look up to and say, oh man, they're, they're spiritually mature, and, and those are the ones who disciple. No, th- th- this is for, this is for, for, for you. <laughs> th- th- this call is for, for me to preach and, and to lead you and to equip you. That's what the, the, the word equip means to to repair and to prepare so that you then in turn make disciples where you are. Here's the amazing thing. These fishermen, by the time they were 15 years old, we don't know how old they were, but by the time they were 15, if a religious rabbi was going to call them and say, come follow me and I'll teach you everything I know so that you in turn can go into the synagogues and that you can, you can teach other people about the, the law and about the Old Testament. You, you have this incredible um, potential because you have this amazing mind and I believe you would be a really good teacher of the law. You'd be, you'd be someone who could help the people understand what God is saying. If by the age of 15, they hadn't been tapped on the shoulder, and said, hey, hey, you're, you're worthy, Th- then um, they are going to enter into vocational life. They're going to enter into a career. They're going to enter into a job, just like Peter and Andrew, James, and John. And here's the thing. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus, when he comes, doesn't go into Rome. He doesn't go into the political elite. I mean, if you were writing the script, I was in a meeting this week where someone said this, if I were writing the script, here's what I would do. I would send the Son of God into Rome because it's political center and because of the influence. If God wanted to start a movement of people becoming like his son, he might have started in Rome because it's the most powerful place in the world and where communication could eventually work its way out, right? 
Or you might want to start in Jerusalem, the religious center, and you'd gather together all the religious people, all the smart people, all the seminarians, all the pastors. You get all the little synagogue guys in a conference together, and you'd, you'd feed them a chicken sandwich, and you would say, okay, here's how we're going to multiply and, and make people look like Jesus. You, you maybe you do it that way. Or you'd go to some city. You'd go to Athens. How about Athens? That's a great city philosophy and culture, Greek life. And you would go there and you'd say, okay, the movement of people becoming like Jesus begins in a place like Athens where there's philosophy and it can spread so easily among people. What, is, what does God do? He sends Jesus to men whose hearts were transformed by him in everyday walks of life, and he uses them to reproduce in the lives of other people. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. You are the movement of God to make disciples, not me. I'm here to equip you. I'm here, to, I'm here to shepherd you and, and to shepherd your soul, and I, I'm here to, to give the word of God to you. But Jesus has invited you to follow him, and for those of you who are sitting this one out going, I'll come on Sunday morning and listen to you. I'll listen to some, some great pastor on a, on, a, on, a, um, on a podcast. I'll keep going to these Bible studies and keep getting fed, and all that's fine, all that's wonderful. We encourage you to do those things. But I'm here to tell you, that if the church of Jesus Christ is going to continue to move forward, if the church of Jesus Christ is going to create a movement of making disciples, it's not going to be dependent upon the spiritual elites. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul makes it very clear. He says this, that Christ has given the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers. He's given them for a reason, and that is to lead the body of Christ. But then he says this, he gives them to equip the saints for the work of ministry. In order for, for you to have what you need, for your heart to be repaired, and for you to, to be prepared, and your hands to be prepared to go out and to make, to give your lives to other people so that what God has done in you can be replicated, reproduced in the lives of other people. That is my job, Ephesians chapter 4. And, and he, here's the danger, that we, we're in a Sunday, Wednesday night mentality that that is discipleship. Those are platforms. Th those, are, those are days that, that we encounter God, and those are days that we can be equipped. But then once you come, and once you study, and once you learn, here's the danger, that that information says, I'm a disciple. Instead, what Jesus is saying, follow me, I'm going to develop you into a person who takes what, what you learn from me, the information, you apply it to the lives of other people. And, and you, the potential in these rooms is unbelievable. Think about this. When I was in seminary, I told, the, I told the ministers this morning, we were praying together before the service, and I said, here is the snapshot I have uh, of the past. Whenever I marry somebody, I tell the groom before we're coming out, everyone's all nervous, everyone's all sweating, everyone's, and I said, okay, here's the deal. One snapshot. 
All right, you're going to be out there, whether it's your bride coming down, I, I would encourage you to take a snapshot in your mind of the bride. That's, I wouldn't worry about your mom or your dad. They're wonderful people, but I would just have in mind this one picture of her. All right, or, or maybe it's just all your family and friends, whatever it is. Take one snapshot, take that with you because your mind is going to be racing. Your heart's going to be racing. What do you remember, right? Take that snapshot. Here's what I remember, the snapshot when I walked across the stage at seminary. Beautiful Binkley Chapel, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, Wake Forest, North Carolina. Beautiful day outside. Here's what I remember. Going up on stage, coming up this side, coming over, shaking the president's hand. He gives me my diploma. And, and I remember looking, and here are all the men and women who are graduating with me. Here's my class, and all their caps and gowns on, and I thought, that's unbelievable we could change the world. We, the hundreds of people who are there, if we just got our hat together, if, if we were just transformed by Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, we could change the world. But I, got, I, I think I had it wrong. I think I had it wrong. It's just not us who could change the world. It's us going into churches and going overseas and teaching, and preaching, and sharing our lives with people so that they could be transformed by people, so that the body of Christ could go out and make disciples, so that you, the laity, the people in the pew, Jesus is calling you to invest in the lives of other people. The potential is enormous, but the church has outsourced Disciple-making. Here's the, here's the issue. The church has outsourced disciple-making to the elites, to those who are, who are, are quote, spiritual. The church has outsourced disciple-making to its religious programming. And here's the shift. Here's the shift where we begin to say, discipleship is not simply a program or a class or a six-week series. Discipleship is seen when an individual is a follower of Jesus, is being changed by him, and turns and says, you come with me. You come with me as you become, and I become together like Christ, and you begin to change life. And then that individual does the same thing, and it multiplies, and it multiplies, and the power of the investment is huge. Here's the third thought this morning. Disciple makers, though, have to be intentional. Have to be intentional. You have to set your sights on those individuals whom God can transform and use. Third thought, disciple makers have to be intentional. If you're not intentional, it's not going to happen. If you're not intentional, you're just going to get carried away by the, by the, by the sweep, by the, by, the, by the flood of life. Just, you're you're just going to keep moving. You're just going to keep walking through life. If you don't say, if you don't set your sights either on someone who can lead you or that you can lead others. There are individuals in this room, in that room, there are individuals at nine o'clock, those individuals who are walking with Jesus, who love Christ dearly, who love his church, and you're, I, I don't know exactly what it is you're waiting on to lead others. But I'm asking you to be intentional, to set your sights, Jesus is walking along the Sea of the Galilee. He sees Peter, and he sees Andrew. He sees James, and he, when he sees Peter, 
he sees a guy who's a little rough around the edges, would you say? <laughs> Who has a foot-shaped mouth. You know anyone like that? Constantly sticking it in, sticking it out. Rough, impetuous. Um, quick to say things and later go, nope, didn't mean that, sorry. I mean, here's a guy, though, that Jesus sees and he intentionally sets his sights on. And what Jesus sees is not simply an impetuous guy who is a, probably a pretty decent fisherman who gives his life to going out at night, bringing in fish in the morning, fixing the nets, catching a little sleep, a little shut-eye before he goes out and he does that again. What Jesus sees in this individual is someone that if he can follow him and be transformed, here is a person who would then become an individual who would preach the gospel and would give his life for Jesus in spreading the gospel. Here's a person who's a fisherman by the Sea of Galilee, but in Acts chapter 2, stands up, preaches, 3,000 people are converted. Jesus gets to the point where he says to Peter, Peter, upon this truth that you have just said, that I am the Christ, I'm going to build my church. Peter, you are the spokesperson. So it is Jesus who sees intentionally. This man who, who everyone just said, well, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a nice little businessman, yeah. Peter, they got a great little business over there. Yeah, and they're going to they're gonna love their family, and, and they're going to die. <laughs> and, and a great business. Yeah, James and John, wonderful brother. They love their daddy. Um, they'll take over the business. Business has been in their family for years and years and years. But Jesus sees someone who says they can change the lives of other people. Is this how we see people? I've been meeting with a group of guys, and I love them with all of my heart. Love these guys dearly. I've been meeting with them for three years. I wouldn't give up that time for anything in the world. Every Wednesday morning. And they encourage me, and hopefully I encourage them. I'll do anything for those. But here's what I finally said to them at the end of this year, and they know. I said, listen. Now's the time. I've, I've been, been walking with you. When are, when are you? When am I? When are we going to say, okay, our little group is neat and tidy and wonderful. We love each other. We're going to continue to meet. But when are we together going to reproduce and multiply in the lives of other people? When are we going to set our eyes on people whom God has said you can influence them? So, so here's what I would do. I would just have you begin praying. And begin writing a list. Go through, the, go through the week. Take out a pen or on your iPhone or whatever it is. And when God brings someone to mind, write their name down. And you get about four or five or six or seven names, begin to pray. God, how would you have me give my life to these men, to these women? See what intentionality does? Intentionality moves you away from just kind of doing church to being a disciple maker. Here's the fourth thing. Disciple makers open the word in their lives to lead others. Disciple makers open their, their word, the word of God in their lives to lead others. As I said earlier, um, we've equated discipleship with, with knowledge. Ed Stetzer says that, he says exactly that. We equate discipleship with religious knowledge. Here's the shift we need to make. Beth Moore uh, tweeted this out. If you've only studied 
the Bible for history. And let me just say this. If you don't know who Beth Moore is, there's probably no more gifted woman who can teach the word of God, boy, she can teach, than Beth Moore. But here's what she says. If you've only studied the Bible for history, for ammunition, or for a rule book for life, go back, throw on the lenses of faith, and hunt down Jesus. Powerful. Powerful. Here's what D.A. Carson, great, great religious teacher, scholar, says Christian beliefs aren't to be stacked in the mind's warehouse. They're be, to be applied to life and discipleship. Here's where the shift has to take place from information to transformation. This is what disciple makers do. They open up their minds and their hearts. They take the word of God. I'm not saying you do away with Bible study. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you take Bible study. You take the word of God and with intentionality with other individuals and say, how does this work? Here's the shift. You ready? Here's the shift. Instead of filing in and and understanding Bible study and walking out, and the next time you come in is the first time you've really thought about the Bible study or you've thought about those people and you walk out and you do that for how many weeks, how many months, how many years? Let me ask you this. First, First question I ask, Starbucks, coffee, Toyota, cars, Rolex, watches. What is the church producing? I would say, yes, the church is doing a wonderful job of teaching, but let's take that next step. Let's just say this. We walk into Bible study with the word of God, into homes, into the lives of people, and we don't walk back out. (laughs) We say what Jesus said, come follow me, walk with me, all right? Let's meet together. Get with those men and say, okay, here's the deal. You have every right to walk into my life and ask any question you want to about my wife, what I'm looking at, what I'm studying, am I faithful to God? Am I faithful to my children? Because we're studying the book of James together. We're studying, uh, we're, we're studying the gospel of Matthew together. And Jesus says this. What does this mean? Help me understand this. Help me apply this. And we become like Jesus together. Disciple makers. Multiplication people open the word of God. That's the source and they open their hearts and their lives to, to being accountable, to being transparent, to being vulnerable. I mean, think about this. Jesus could have said to the, the three, Peter, James, and John, those were his inner circle. He could have said to the other guys, um, c- come with me and I'll meet with you from 6.30 to 8 on Wednesday nights and, and, let's, and, and become like me. Or he could have said, look, there are periodic times where I'm going to do some teaching, so you gather a little crowd together, and you become like me. What did Jesus do? Come on. Watch me. Walk with me. Eat with me. Watch how people praise me, and watch how people criticize me, and watch how they'll kill me. Hey, guys, come with me. All right, here, I want to share with you how you do this. Guys, go do it. And they go out and they come back. What happened? What'd you learn? What'd you learn? Oh, oh, it didn't work out just like you thought. All right, let me walk you through that, guys. All right? And that's why when he gets to the end, he says, I've opened up my life to you. 
I've opened up my heart. Now it's your turn. And you open up your heart and you, you open up what I've given to you into the lives of other people. And may it produce a movement of disciples. And praise God that those fishermen responded to the call to make disciples because you and I are the beneficiaries of that. Disciple makers open up their hearts. They open up their lives. They open up their, they're vulnerable. They're transparent. They're accountable. It's vital to becoming people who simply aren't information-driven, but transformation-driven. Here's the final thing this morning. Disciple-makers reproduce themselves. They reproduce themselves. Paul says this, the great missionary, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. He later on, or he also says in Philippians, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Maybe that's a word for some of you who simply say, you know what, there's no way I'm ready to, to ask someone to come follow me. Well, then the word of God says, then take your eyes and be intentional about those who you see walking. They're not perfect. I know Jesus is walking around here, but you have your eyes set on someone and, and you come to them and you say, will you lead me? Will, will, you, will you walk with me? And, and disciple makers simply reproduce themselves. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. Whoever believes in me will imitate what I do. They will reproduce my ministry in other people. But then he says this, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. We don't think of Jesus telling those men, you're going to do even greater things than I do. But he did. Because of this principle of multiplication, because of the, the power of the Holy Spirit that would come upon these men. Robbie Gallaty, again in the book Rediscovering Discipleship, says this the discipleship process is not complete, it's not finished until the mentee becomes a mentor. Discipleship is not done, discipleship is not complete unless the person that we're pouring into over time could be years and years that we walk with individuals. Until that individual turns around and pours into other people. You know this principle is pretty simple. Grandparenting. There are, there are husbands and there are, are wives that produce children. But the incredible thing is those children produce children. They get to experience this incredible line of multiplication. And so it is in the spiritual world. When God determines, Galilee says, when God determines the maturity of a church, he doesn't count the Christians. Talking about this multiplication effect. Instead of simply adding to the church, instead of, instead of just simply concerned about how many people are, are coming, here's what he says. When God determines the maturity of a church, he doesn't count the Christians, he weighs them. And the weight is measured by how deeply his teaching has penetrated into a person's life. And when Jesus invested himself in people and his teaching, then in turn those individuals discipled others. Here's what I would say a mark of maturity is in the life of the believer. Two, 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 two signs that we're mature. Number one, we have the marks of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. 
You see in your life a control. You see in your life a sensitivity to the Spirit. You see, see the fruit of the Spirit working itself out in your life and in your home. Does it mean you're perfect? No one's perfect. Don't hear me say that. But you see, you see the Holy Spirit produced Christ-likeness developing and growing in you. Here's the second. Is you see yourself multiplying in the lives of other people. And in reproducing, this, this will be, I believe, this will be an amazing point in the life of Taylor's. If we can grab hold of this principle, that I see every single face in this room, and in that room over there, can visualize every single face. And at nine o'clock, all the faces of individuals and lives of individuals being transformed by Christ who in turn are reproducing themselves in the lives of other people. You talk about a movement. And so here's the question. How are you doing? Where are you? Look, look. let's just speak honestly. We're on different, there are those of you who are not followers of Christ. I've invited you to follow him this morning. But there are those of you on the spectrum who, who've been walking with Jesus a long, long time. Here's my question for you. Jesus wants to use you to reproduce yourself and others. What, what, what do you need to do? How do you need to respond? That's what worship is, responding to him. And my prayer is that over the course of the next few weeks and over the summer, that you would begin to understand, here's my heart for investing in people. I, I'm going to ready my mind. I'm going to ready my heart to think about jumping into a community or jumping into a group or, or jumping into a group of guys or jumping into a group of ladies, whether in my home or here, wherever it is. And I'm going to enter into the fall with this one thought that we become like Christ, but we're going to reproduce. We're, we're going we're gonna to multi. We're simply going to do what Mark chapter 1 shows us this morning. Peter and Andrew and James and John together form this community, but yet they multiply and the effect of the gospel begins to ripple through this, through this body. And as Ephesians 4 says, we start seeing the unity of the body. We, we become less distracted by all the things that we, we all get distracted by and we become driven, we become driven by seeing Jesus in the lives of people at the Taylor's First Baptist Church. And when we do that, watch what God will do in you and in your homes. And the next week, here, here's the other side of the coin. We make disciples of those who are here and we, we build up the body to engage the world. But next week, we also understand that we just simply don't build up to engage the world, that we have to wait. No, we engage the world and make disciples who then help build up the body. Either way, the calling of Jesus this morning is simply this. Follow me, walk with me, and I'll develop you into someone who develops Jesus in the lives of other people. Let's pray about that right now. Father, Father, we simply ask this morning in both rooms that you would
move mightily. And I pray that is the cry of the heart, the stirring of hearts, that that the soil would be tilled and there would be this deep affection for Jesus to know him and become like him. Maybe some for the very first time and they would open up their lives to Jesus. But for others, there would be just this Holy Spirit-led, gentle, but maybe perhaps sharp call to know Christ and to walk with him and then to bring others with them and to see a movement develop, a multiplication effect take place where disciples are built and strengthened to engage the world. And that Taylor's is a place where they say, that's where they're producing Jesus followers who produce Jesus followers. May it be so. Father, we, we say worship is about confession. We confess this morning our sin. And we submit this morning to your authority. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth is mine. Do we believe it? Lord, we, we submit to it this morning and we respond. So as we respond in our hearts, as we respond in obedience to you, will you take it, take us, use us for the glory of Christ whose name we pray. Amen.